Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. World of football with a soccer perspective. This is Soccer Today with Dwayne Rollins and Kevin Laramie, live on the Sports Podcasting Network. Good day, good night. Welcome to Soccer Today for Wednesday, January 19th, 2022. I'm Kev Laramie, joined by Dwayne Rollins as we talk about a couple of very interesting subjects today, Dwayne. Mark Delgado, potential trade rumors with the LA Galaxy. It has been in the news over the last 24 hours. A couple of different sources are working on it. The LA Galaxy podcast is working on that. And we'll look at Mark Delgado's contribution in Major League Soccer over the years and how he has fared and what is going to happen there. Where he's going, why the reunification of the 2017 Toronto FC midfield, basically, in L.A. We'll also talk about Mohamed Farsi, the Canadian very good prospect. More than that, he's a, a future Canadian international, in my mind. Also, the U21 Canadian Player of the Year in the Canadian Premier last year. He's going to Columbus with the crew, too. Not talking about the nice video game that came out in the late aughts. The Crew 2 racing video game. No, I'm talking about the Columbus Crew 2 in MLS Next Pro. We'll talk about Mohamed Farsi's journey, which has been barred with obstacles over the last five years, finally going to a place where he can maybe show his talents. We'll also talk about Christine St. Clair, Dwayne. Did you know she's simply the best? I, I did. I am concerned, Kevin, when you were talking about uh, late on video games, are like third gen uh, console games now considered vintage? Because that's going to make me really sad to consider. But at any rate, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I oh, guess dear. vintage, usually vintage equals 20 years. That's why yeah. there's V-I-N-T in it. Vintage. That's where it comes from. But uh, we'll see if that continues. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like uh, classic rock is 20 years plus. So, like, we're about to hear, like, My Chemical Romance on Classic Rock Station. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the retro stations are playing songs of my youth. Guess yeah, what? Yeah. I'm old. <laughs> there you go. I, I hit there a few years before you. Yeah, I'm more than Nirvana Pearl Jam era. So, so I've already been there for a while. But when you know what, this says suggestions, you might like this. And it's like something older, like, oh, wow. It associates my taste to old things. Anyways, speaking of old, the rumor that is going around right now is one of Toronto's FC's more aged player could be on the way out, could be traded. We're talking about Mark Delgado, 
maybe being traded to the galaxy that's the rumor right now going on Dwayne a rumors of potential trade we have no idea for what but what do we know is that a lot of places are reporting the deal has done and waiting league approval we'll wait to confirm but we have his numbers in major league soccer that includes his time with chivas usa and of course with toronto fc 229 games for mark delgado 195 starts 18 goals 24 assists with an average pass accuracy per year of 80.85 which is important with his potential role with the galaxy if that trade comes to fruition yeah mark delgado or marky as he was known for a lot of the time here in toronto in case you're confusing that we're talking about two different players uh is not a guy that's going to have flashy stats it's not his role although there was one that came out last night that i think should should really speak to what kind of player he is and that was the distance covered per 90 uh stats from last year in mls and he ranked third in the league in the most distance covered in a game i wish i had access to second spectrum to have those numbers because it's the only way to have these numbers and the second spectrum aspect is not as easy to get as you would think for people that work literally in the field. I was going to say patreon.com. <laughs> Even then, that wouldn't change anything. It's not, a, it's not a question of money. It's a question of someone sending me a login info. Well, yeah, I was going to say some of those uh, some of those subscriptions can be pricey, but but nonetheless, if you can't get it, you can't get it. But anyway, it was 10.1 kilometers per game or something. So very high third ranked in the league. Uh, he's a workhorse. He's an engine out there. He's a guy that does a lot of link play that that sort of is that middle pass from, you know, the the six getting it, getting it to Delgado, who gets it to the forward. Uh, when it's working, it, when it worked well in that 16, 17, uh, 19, forget about 18 for a second, although 18 up until till the end of the CCL run. And we'll talk about the, his CCL play, the infamous play there at some point in this conversation, I'm sure. But, but he was just a player that really just goes out there puts his head down, does what he's supposed to do, doesn't get a ton of goals, doesn't get a ton of assists, but does a lot of really hard and and useful work. And, you know, he was absolutely a key regular member, an absolute, you know, put the, get the pen out, put his name on the lineup uh, card in 17 of what is largely considered by many, the best MLS team of all time. So how can you have that guy walk away uh, many years later and not have a moment to to just really think back on, on what kind of great player he had, was here for a long time. And and there are going to be a few people because of the play that I inferred about a minute ago uh, in the CCL final where he did have an opportunity late in that game to win with a with what would have been a, a really, really great goal, in my opinion, but other people think was a tap in. I put the video out earlier today. You can have a look for yourself and maybe I'll retweet this after again in, in a minute. I'll, I'll do that. But uh, he was just a key part of a golden generation for Toronto. And and look, that doesn't mean it's wrong to move on from him now, but I would hope that TFC has a plan because they are really threadbare in terms of the amount of players they have right now. And, and having another one leave for nothing, unless you have someone immediately coming back in to fill that, which they very well might, but we don't know yet, uh, is a little troubling uh, from, a, from a 2022 standpoint. Yeah, it could be troubling. Also, there's a lot of... And not necessarily just an overhauling of the actual roster, sideline, coaching staff. By the way, welcome to Paul Staltieri, to the coaching staff of Toronto FC. Canadian legend is joining Toronto's sideline and Bob Bradley in that structure. And we'll see how that changes everything, too, when it comes to how Toronto will build their team. COVID, snowstorms. 
And a lot of what's happening in over the last couple of days have delayed a lot of signings. And Dwayne, trades and signings are going to come just like life over the next couple of days, really hard and fast because we're yeah. going to have numbers and players right now. If I just look at MLSsoccer.com on their homepage, there's the rumor of not only Mark Delgado being traded, Paul Ariola rumored to be not just traded, but maybe a record-setting trade for the amount of money in league, if it's not to Club America. We have Houston. No, not a problem. Houston is actually signing DPs now. What the heck is happening? A lot of things are going to happen over the next couple of days. Yeah, uh, to continue our aughts theme for the day from the start, it's the, the trades are going to come fast and furious, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And some of them will be won by a niche, and some of them will be won by a mile. There, there you go. So, it's a that's the kind of day it's going to be. No, look, um, I think that from my from looking at the reaction today on Twitter of the Delgado news, and, and look, this this does seem very likely if you want to put a percentage on it we're in that plus 95 percent rate um right now like it, it's unless a lot of people are wrong unless something has happened at the last minute uh this looks likely to happen but the i was actually pretty pleasantly surprised at the amount of, of positivity there was around this towards delgado you know you can both simultaneously believe that it's maybe time to to do an overhaul and a lot of tfc fans do believe that well also understanding that that this guy had a significant role to play on the yeah. championship team here um the, the la side of the equation um i want to talk about the ccl final to end this in a minute but the la side of the equation needs some attention too and as you mentioned you know this is craig Vanny bringing in guys he trusts and uh that's fine but I wonder whether Greg Vanny owns a calendar uh, because uh, it's 2022 and it's five years ago. Yeah. And that that would be my question. And, you know, Delgado still is decent. The numbers you put up there for, for a career, but but he was still pretty decent last year. I don't think he's done by any means. That said, it still doesn't seem like a build for the future happening in L.A. It seems like he's trying to get the band back together. And whether that's going to work, we're going to have to wait and see. Um, you know, they're going to have Chicharito might be more the key to their performance there this year than, than well, anything yeah. else. And you know how I feel about him. He's a little too hot and cold. Well, the, uh, to me, the, there's there's maybe a correlation there. And, of course, we're we're in the speculation world. This whole conversation about Mark Delgado being traded is speculation, to be honest, as, as of right now still. But... If it comes to fruition, it's another part of the LA Galaxy in the locker room that Greg Vanny has a good relationship with. And it's more than one. Now you have Victor Vasquez and you would have also Mark Delgado. So that could be something that is indicative of how Vanny views his team and the positive aspect of the results last year. They had good runs, but at the end of the day, we're not satisfied with the overall result. We're seeing maybe a change of leadership. You draw that away from Chicharito to a place where the locker room you can not control, but understand or know more. Maybe there's something there. Greg Benny has enough of a coaching resume at a senior team level now that, that we can sort of draw some conclusions about what he's best at and what his style is. And it, a bit ironically, considering he came from the youth background, like he came from um he was a youth academy guy when he came to Toronto. He was hired to run their academy. And he does have a lot of time for academy kids. But when you look at his actual performance as a manager, he doesn't play kids a lot. He prefers veterans to play in his system. And he's bringing in a veteran that has not only 
played in his system. Well, that has played in his exact system that he wants to institute in, in L.A. Like he's basically trying to do the play the same way Toronto did for with the Galaxy. Right. So he's bringing in a guy that knows how to do it. He still has a couple years left. Um, I would wonder whether this is a further indication, again, of Greg Vanny just being a manager whose personality and whose um, ways work better with older guys. And that can be the case sometimes. And again, that's a bit ironic considering he started as a as a youth manager. But but maybe I'm being a little bit uh, too black and white with that. I'm not sure. But nonetheless, it is another move. Um, Kevin, I wanted to move and talk about, you know, one play. Uh, that Marky Delgado gets 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 handed on, and, I, and I'm not going to belabor this too much because I know not everyone here listening is a TFC fan, but but it does speak to a larger issue. If you go back, and I just retweeted it onto my feed right now, if if you want to go look simultaneously, if you're if you're listening to this later, um, he missed a chance very late in the CCL final against Chivas to that would have won the game and would have won the CCL for the MLS team for the first time ever. If you actually look at that play and slow it down, it's not as big a miss as you think. Fans, you know, it was a big moment. Fans are frustrated. He was frustrated. It gets overthought in people's minds is a different thing. And a lot of people have, have not liked Delgado since that moment. They blame him for the loss, which is ridiculous that you would blame one player for a team loss. But more to the point, I think it speaks to how why we don't fully understand or appreciate guys that play a role like Delgado. We only notice them when something dramatic happens. And usually that dramatic thing that happens is one of their rare mistakes. This is a guy with a plus 80% passing percentage that plays in the midfield of Major League Soccer. This is a good player. That means he misses 20% of his passes. Fans go home remembering that one time that the guy put the play out to to touch and they go away with this feeling that this guy's no good. That's critically speaking when you're watching a game try to not just focus on the errors i'm not trying to be condescending when i say that but i think that's a way that people misunderstand the game sometimes and it's why guys like delgado get underappreciated yeah and maybe you don't appreciate what you got till it's gone and we'll see but there's also the aspect of moving on from a rotten aging roster but you're right and i think the aspect that you touched on of what does it say for toronto fc which could be willing to part ways with mark delgado another one of their aging players in a time of restructuring of the roster. I don't necessarily just call it an overhaul. It's a restructuring of the roster. You're not going to have the same position and the same talent with this team that you have just because of what's coming this summer. You're going to have to get ready for them, and you're going to have to find ways to fit everyone on the payroll too because it's not just about having a lot of money. There's a set payroll, and if Xena takes a lot of that payroll, well, you got to make sure you're not too top-heavy, which could be a problem. Never mind salary cap. Those are all in the thought process of a shortened window, basically, because of COVID to sign players and how to have players start for your team 38 days from now because Major yeah. League Soccer starts in 38 days. It, well, exactly. And, and quickly, as a final note on Delgado, I, I mean, we, we should be careful about calling him old. He's not old. He just turns 27 in May. But so, you know, True. that's still in the brunt. Still, yeah. Yes, but if you're looking to start a new project for the next five years, do you keep him to start that, or do you trade him when his value is there still? Yeah, no, precisely. And, and he's been in the league about... for a decade, if we look at the Chivas Free USA, so there's a feeling that maybe teams feel he's older than he is. Yeah, there's for sure. And I, I suspect if you'd ask 
10 of our listeners without looking up what Marky Delgado's age is. I bet you most of them would have gone above 27 um, because he's been around for so long. He played for Chivas, for God's sakes. Chivas seems like it's been gone forever. Chivas predates this, this show. We have never talked about Chivas as an active team on this show. We've been doing this show a long time. Chivas so was go. gone after the 2015 uh, uh, season. So. Oh, was it 15? Did we have one year? 16. I think we have one. Well, yeah, 16. So uh, we were, okay. Uh, yeah. All right. Fair, fair enough. I thought yeah, because there was two years without it, and LFC came in 2018. So Yeah, yeah. I thought it was 13 for some reason. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, but the, the other part, too, is they're, they're saying that Delgado is going to get a TAM salary in L.A., so this is a, a rewarding of this player, too, for, for more money that maybe Toronto doesn't want to invest that particular roster spot in. Um, all of this is MLS stuff, and, you know, if you're listening to the show, you're probably into that stuff. So, yeah, yeah it, maybe it matters. Maybe Toronto doesn't have enough TAM, basically. It could be yeah, that, too, because well, they're going to have to use a whole lot to uh, to do what they want for the next uh, foreseeable few weeks, so we'll see. Yeah, well, they're going to use that money in other ways is basically what it comes to. They have quite a bit of gamp, but it's it's you have they have other priorities. It's about Bob Bradley yeah. one to build. The There's also the, the difference between Gam and Tam, right? You can use Gam, but Gam has nothing to do with Tam. Also, uh, for Tam, it is restricted in how you use that Tam when the player is already with you. So because the Galaxy don't have Delgado already, if I'm not mistaken, the way the rules work is a new incoming player, you have a higher percentage of Tam you can use on him. So basically, this is a win situation for Mark Delgado and a situation where Toronto could not equal maybe the amount of TAM and then it's a discretionary salary where it could change. Maybe there's something there, but you know, speculation at this point still. Yeah, we, we the the roster rule stuff that everyone likes to dig into hasn't actually come out yet for 2022, so we don't know exactly how things are going to work, but it always comes down to what bucket of money that a team can use and not every team can use the same bucket that that general idea is always correct so so yeah just basically it's priorities in terms of toronto and, and look this is a good player for tfc that maybe has had a good run up here and will always be remembered as a key component to a championship team and and that's i think how you want to remember mark Delgado today and uh and uh, we move forward in terms of the Bob Bradley experiment, which, as you mentioned, you know, we added uh, Stalteri to the coaching staff. Uh, I think that kind of ties into our topic in, in the second term in terms yeah. of, um, of Next Pro and stuff like that and trying to, you know, handle the, the local market. So, so yeah, yeah, there's a lot of moves happening today and, and this week in terms of TFC land around MLS, and, and we're here for it. Wishing all the best to the Montreal players dealing with COVID. As we speak, there's a little bit of a COVID. Now, I wouldn't call it an outbreak at this point, but there's a few players coming in and out of the COVID protocol already for Montreal. Hopefully, things go well. The Champions League is a month away. Also, yesterday, Montreal has announced its preseason schedule so here's his preseason schedule for cf montreal it starts on january 29th at noon against new york city fc the defending champion of mls cup will play against montreal in a exhibition match preseason to get ready for the champions league on february 4th inter miami will be montreal's opponent in the lead up to the ccl philly will be montreal's opponent on february 8th and their last preseason match before the CCL will be on February 11th against the Miami FC, the other Miami team, which actually plays in Miami. And I'll answer the question that everyone's going to ask in a two weeks' time or ten days' time already. No, they won't be streamed. Uh, that's because MLS doesn't let them be streamed. Talk to them about it. It's kind of stupid. But nonetheless, here we are. And uh, we, we look forward to seeing, uh, it's what, like a month to the CCL? So, yeah, not too long. Um, it's going to be cranked up pretty fast. 
it will be cranked up pretty fast. Absolutely. We'll take a short break. When we come back, we'll talk about Mo Farsi and his move to MLS Next Pro. That and more, especially when we talk about Christine St. Clair receiving the FIFA Best, Simply the Best Special Award. And we'll talk about that and more after this short break right here on Soccer Today. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are listening to Soccer Today. Follow us on Twitter at SoccerTodaySPN and like our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash sports podcasting network. You can find the podcast version of all the shows we do on iTunes, Apple Podcast, Google Play Store, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, and anywhere you get your podcast. And we're back on soccer today. Kev Larme joined by Dwayne Rollins as we talk about Mo Farsi, Mohamed Farsi, before we move on and finish the show on Christine St. Clair, the legend of Canadian soccer, of international soccer, the best ever. When it comes to goal scoring internationally, we'll talk about Christine St. Clair in a moment. Dwayne, I want to draw your attention to Mohamed Farsi, a player that I've seen play at different level, of course, over the years, from when his time in the PLSQ, all the way to some even futsal time. He was an amazing futsal player in the region of Montreal, still is. He tried himself abroad too, wasn't lucky, was put in weird situations, and now he comes into his own the Canadian Premier League stage over the last two years, being not only the U21 Canadian Player of the Year this year, one of the best players and one of the player to use the Canadian Premier League to grow and benefit from the challenge and show his talent. If we look at Mohamed Farsi's stats over the last few years in the Canadian Premier League, Dwayne, we're seeing a growth. 35 games, 30 starts. 20, uh, 2,747 minutes, that's that's fine. Two goals, three assists, but I want to bring you to this stats, which is, I guess, my new favorite stats in 2022. In 2021, it was corners. In 2022, is team points per match. Points per match when the said player played at least 30 minutes for these matches. And when we look at Cavalry, 
the team points per match when Mo Farsi played 30 minutes or more is 1.66, which means when he steps on the pitch and plays a third of the game, you win or draw more than 50% of the time, which is not a small feat. No, of course not. And look, it, it, I think that uh, obviously Cavalry, the team we played for, was very good. So they're gonna, always going to have a bit higher there anyway. But but nonetheless, when you look at the player compared to the rest of the roster, you notice uh, some trends there. And he's a guy that absolutely contributes positively to, to a winning team. Look, uh, this move, the reason we want to talk about this specifically isn't entirely just about the move itself. Um, in case you're wondering, it's also a, a canary in a coal mine kind of kind of move because it speaks to a lot of, of both stuff that's happening at the KMPL level and stuff that's happening at this new league U MLS Next Pro. So we'll get into that in a minute. But but in terms of Mofarsi as a player, um, he's very good. He is the poster boy for what the KMPL should do in a lot of ways. As you mentioned, he was kind of lost. He had some trials that didn't work out. Uh, he was he was infamous in the, well, I guess he'd be famous, not infamous. He was very well regarded within the futsal world. If there was a pro futsal league, he'd be in it. He's, he's a great futsal player. Which he was maybe out. the best futsal player in Canada over the last few years at one point, definitely. Yeah, it, absolutely. And, you know, if there was a more professional futsal environment in this country, as I say, you'd likely see him uh, thriving in that area. But it also tells you that on an 11-11 sort of situation as, as a wide player that could play fullback and, and in the wing, um, he has great foot skills, right? Because that's what futsal gives you. And he's going to be able to show that creativity on the pitch, I think, in Columbus a great deal. Um, he, as I said, got lost a little bit. The KMPL allowed him to come in, show that he could thrive in an 11-11 environment. He wasn't just a futsal trick guy that could absolutely be a key component on, on a good team within, within the Canadian Soccer League. Um, or Canadian Premier League, Canadian Soccer League's Freudian slip there anyway. Uh, now, what I've been hearing, to move this into the other part of this, is that this guy is really going to be a very, very early indication of what of how Major League Soccer teams will likely use MLS Pro, Next Pro. We've, till this point, thought, Kevin, that Next Pro would be primarily an extension of the academies. So that they would really be a young youth teams basically out there. And that was a lot of people were kind of frustrated by that and kind of thought that it was a step back from USL because USL obviously had more sort of mid-career professional sort of in there to, to make it a harder game and a harder sort of uh, development standard for people to meet as, as the young kids going in. And, and obviously, you know, both in Toronto and Montreal, we saw how hard it was for kids to compete against those guys, right? Like TFC2 in Montreal or FC Montreal got, destroyed when they played like they didn't do very well um this league seems to understand that it needs to create a middle class and it also needs to operate in a way that serves the first team the the main team in a way that's not just putting players in for you know fitness uh stints or for uh, their academy kids to get time, but also to provide an opportunity to bring outsiders into the system and have a good look at them. And this is primarily from the conversations I've been having in the last few days, what is happening here. Columbus, I've been told by a few people now, loves this kid. And they think that he really has a lot of potential to be a real impact player within Major League Soccer, but they just aren't sure yet that he will convert immediately to that. And they want to give themselves a little bit of protection by not investing that international slot right now but instead giving him the opportunity to prove to them that their feelings about him are correct so they are giving him essentially a paid trial he's going to go down there and he's going to be paid a, a salary which is 
at least at the same level as the Canadian Premier League, if not maybe even a little bit more. So he can pay his bills. He can be comfortable. Uh, he can feel that he is valued because he is professional in that and still give him the opportunity to work day in, day out in the training field, training with the first team. I was told that he would likely be training with the first team and have an opportunity to win that spot. And I wouldn't surprise me, Kevin, based on, on the skills that we've seen him demonstrate over the years, that if he's offered a contract before the end of this year, perhaps even by the end of camp, but definitely sure. before. Hey. So over under on the amount of Major League Soccer games Mohamed Farsi plays in the next two years. Yeah, he would have to over under. Okay, I'd place that at, at if we're going to do gambling here, I'd place it at thirty three point four. So that means he's going to play at least almost a season, which means next year he's part of the crew. Yeah, that that's essentially what I'm saying by that. Right, the three or four games a season, so I put it one under a season. So like, yeah, I think that he will. I think I believe in this kid, and I believe in Canadian players, so I'm biased clearly. But what I've seen from him, I suspect he will be a guy that that is probably offered a contract in the middle of summer. That that's my take on that. If Columbus has seen yeah. enough with him, then they will uh, they will offer him that contract. Look, CanPL fans might not want to hear what I'm about to say, but the other part of this is the reason the crew were reluctant to offer that international spot right now is because the CanPL players that have left the league, with the exception of Joel Waterman have not really done well. And that has hurt the reputation of the league in terms of its ability to place players. And if you look at where players are going in this offseason with the ones that have left, they're not exactly places that are lighting the world on fire, like Romania. No, <laughs> and, no and you're, you're right. And you're also not seeing the same amount of players being sold as they were before. There, there's probably a correlation here where after you're number one, like you mentioned... How does do you, how do you think when your poster child of the league after year one in Tristan Borges goes to try goes to Europe and flubs one of the biggest flubs in the history of Canadian international would be international even at this point going abroad so that doesn't help the reputation of a league when the first one is not a trailblazer but it's more a fizzled out missed opportunity yeah and that's the only you know they're not in scouts and teams in Europe are not, you know, invested in the success of the Canadian Premier League. They just want to see what what it can do for them and they can only use the evidence that's that's in front of them and the evidence that's in front of them is that there's been one player that they would call a successful transfer and even that took some time to adjust in Waterman, and, right? Yes, and it's not we don't say this as against the league. There's also different difficult circumstances over the last few years that doesn't help the growth of the level of play in the players in the league because they couldn't play for a bunch of that time, right? So there's that. We're not saying it's the fault of the league. We're just saying the result of all that is there's not a lot of players performing well when they're sold or leaving the CanPL, which affects the players that are associated with the CanPL now when they try to leave. Yeah, and, and that can change. That can change, but it, they're going to require someone to break through. It will absolutely require a player to to be a trailblazer, as you say, to show that the league can perform and can can place players somewhere. Um, you know, in the meantime, it is up to players to make a choice. They can either decide to go to, you know, someone put it to be the thirds. They can go to the third, le the 
third division or a third tier league is kind of what's being offered to them right now. So, you know, Romania would be a third tier league or you could go to like the third division of Spain or something. Right. Like that's that's what you could do to prove yourself. And that's, you know, maybe an adventure that some guys will want to go on. And it's what Eastern Garrow from Edmonton has chose to go on. And, and we wish him well on that. And that is that's a brave choice, too. Um, in this particular case, in Mofarsi's case, the choice that was felt was best for him is to, to try and yeah. set himself up to to have a more direct entry point into MLS. But in the near future, what this might mean for the Canadian Premier League is that they have another level of competition to keep their young talent um, in the league, and that is this MLS Next Pro. Yeah. Because if Next Pro is going to look at this as an as a chance to to have a look at these guys and offer them a contract at this level, those guys are going to take it, particularly if the money is similar. And it has it is similar from what we can tell. Uh, there's you well, know, some... the, as we know, the money in the Canadian Premier League is not even what it is in the USL Championship. So there's, I wouldn't be shocked if it's even more money easily in MLS next row. Yeah, I, I was talking to someone the other day that that suggested that that as many as 20 to 30 players might make the move uh, yeah. from KMPL to MLS Next Pro. Not, wouldn't not you? immediately. Wouldn't you if we're telling, look, you got a better pathway and you can make more money? Who who would say no? That's, I guess, the next challenge that will come for the Canadian Premier League. Yeah, yeah. And, and look, when I say that 20 to 30, we're talking about over two years here, probably not like today. But you will see this happen more and more frequently as, as more and more MLS teams choose to use this this uh, Next Pro level that way. Now, the thing about the Next Pro, to talk about this from an MLS perspective for a second, for, for non-KMPL people out there, um, I think that this is a clear indication of what the crew are going to do with this. I don't necessarily think that every team is going to use it the same way. Like uh, FC Dallas, for instance, will probably use that, this level as primarily a way to play their kids <laughs> to get more exposure, right? I, but I trust me. I think also teams and managers and general managers and people working in MLS haven't realized that they could use a team like this. And then they're going to look at Columbus and be like, oh, wait, this is a great way to use these resources. Maybe that's how we should use that team. Yeah, absolutely. And, and look, I... I'm really interested in Next Pro. I think you can anticipate that there will be more Next Pro conversations on this show in the next next few weeks because it's intriguing how they're going to start this league and what it means for the development pathway in both Canada and the United States. And it is a Canadian issue too, folks, Canadian fans listening out there. It absolutely is. There will be two Canadian teams in this league. There may be three Canadian teams Maybe down the Maybe three down that the is- road. The, the door is not shut in Montreal. Let's remember, they just don't know the pathway right now with it. They want to see how it unfolds before they commit financially to what it could be. They're also looking at different, maybe, pathways to having a team there. There's discussions with the PLSQ. There's discussion with other things that we'll see how it evolves. But right now, that's what Olivier Renard, the sporting director of CF Montreal, mentioned a few weeks ago when it was talking about MLS Next Pro, meaning that it's not, we're not, we didn't say we're never going to be part of it. We're saying we're going to look how it, how it looks and, uh, and reassess. Yeah, and, and we'll put that on a shelf for now in terms of Montreal, whether it's right or no, right or wrong choice. I don't think there's any way to tell. But what I am seeing, from if I can speculate, pure speculation now, I like what I'm seeing so far from it. And I, I think that MLS Next Pro is going to have a much higher profile than the USL2 teams did. Um, I suspect that there will be more marketing behind it, that there will be 
more game day operations resources placed on this, that we may even see double headers of these games down the line. Uh, and no, no one's ever going to see 20,000 people out to watch them, but you might see a thousand people out in some markets. And, and this will be a product that they, that they use and try and get out in front of cameras and to get publicity on because the primary goal, one of the primary goals from my reading of this of MLS for doing this is to be a more active part of the young players selling market. So they want to have players. There will be players, and I think there will be a level player that comes into US Pro at that 16, 17-year-old level that never touches Major League Soccer, but plays two or three seasons or one season in MLS Next Pro and moves and is sold to Europe. Now, what we don't know yet is is how that will impact the MLS roster spend, whether they will get allocation for that or whether the money will just go back into an owner's pocket or, or how that's going to work. But it is, I think, going to offer new opportunities for Major League Soccer to be a more active component in, in this market. So I actually think that this is going to prove to be a very interesting project that is much different and much more it handled much differently than we saw USL pro. And that includes to get, make this Canadian for a second. We have Vancouver coming back in next year, which is great news. They're coming in at this level because they hadn't been in for a while and Toronto moving from USL into this. I think we can speak. I'm going to speak to Toronto now because Vancouver had been gone for a while. So obviously anything new is better um, from Toronto's perspective. I actually think this might, be better than what the usl model was because the usl model i don't think they ever figured out what to do with it they just kind of felt they had to have it and just sort of floundered around for years this last year was a little bit better than the ones previous but even so it was still kind of this tweener thing that really didn't have much connection to the rest of the system i think it's going to be much more connected now and it's going to make much more sense to fans that there is a pathway there and that these players are part of the TFC family that can assist them either through being sold for money to come back into the club or will eventually play in the first team. I, I, I'm really interested to watch this league play out, Kevin. Yeah, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how that affects all the players. Now it's time to finally talk about Simply the Best before we talk too long about all the other subject. We almost didn't leave any time for Christine St. Clair because we've been talking for 35 minutes and our first topic of the day would have should have been St. Clair. She receives the best FIFA special award. She is the highest scoring player in international football history. No, it's not you, Ronaldo. Put that ego down. It is St. Clair. She's the best. She's simply the best. And uh, I know you're going to have that song stuck in your mind for the rest of the day. I'm sorry about that, folks. But simply the best. Christine St. Clair's 308 games, 188 goals, five World Cup participations, two Olympic bronze, and one gold medal. And I, I suspect that World Cup participation is going to be six before she retires. I don't think she's going anywhere just yet. Um, look. This was a nice little gesture by FIFA, FIFA Pro Awards, to include her in this. Uh, I think that reflects that she was criminally underappreciated for a large part of her career, which is unfortunate. You know, you talked about the the semantic battle that we always have when we're talking about the world, the highest goal scorers in the world in terms of the sport. It is absolutely Christine Sinclair. It's just factually correct. Um, that's the fact people get so... Uh, defensive of that is that <laughs> she has been underappreciated, right? Um, I felt that this award, because it wasn't for this year specifically, it was a lifetime award, was was fitting. She doesn't just, based on her play this year, she should not be winning more awards for this year. That That's just truth too, and, and I think she would be embarrassed to win it this year as well. But yeah. this was a nice way to, to honor her and to, to give her some respect that she deserves and to give her the profile that she deserves. And it was also nice, look, 
I've been privileged enough to talk to Christine Sinclair about four or five times over her career and at various times in her career. And it's really nice to see her now. She just seems like someone who is absolutely incredibly comfortable in her skin um, and is really enjoying the final years of her career a great deal. And, you know, that's a, a big contrast to a very, very awkward and, and uh, shy person that first sort of spoke to us and spoke to the media back in the day. And, and you know, I don't think she, she was always very popular with her teammates and she always had a voice in that room. But but I just it seems like a person who's just really enjoying life right now. And that's nice to see even beyond the, the soccer world. Yeah. And now she is starting to be recognized as she should. And Christine St. Clara with her goal tally that will continue. And that'll be interesting to keep an eye on how far she can push the post because maybe nobody else will, will get there. And you know what? I'm okay with that. Yeah, I, I suspect that, look, one of the reasons why some people are resistant to compare the men's and women's games uh, in terms of the goal scoring is because there there is undoubtedly a you know a great higher score of goals were more common 10 years ago in the women's game. That's sure, just true. Sure, Dwayne, but when Portugal faces Comoros and they win by 20 goals and there's 10 goals for Ronaldo, no one complains about that. So No, no, I, I understand that. I'm not trying to dismiss that. I mean, that's why it is, and there's no doubt. But it. it's the but, same, you, but I agree with you, but I think it's the same on both ways. So I think it's, if that's what people think, I think they should just check their privilege at the door. And that's a white man saying that, so take it for what it's worth, but... I also think that if you have a problem with Christine Zeclair being the highest goal scorer in international football, well, that problem is with you. Sure. And they also you, play more you, games. But and you, that's you. all I'm saying. Is they, they, exactly. They, they, there was more games played in the women's game. That's actually the better thing to, to point out. They're, they play more internationals. Uh, that's just, they do. You look at the numbers, they do. Um, but that's, nonetheless, you still have to put those goals in the gun. The only reason I was bringing this up anyway, I feel like I'm defending myself now, I don't mean to, but the the reason I brought it up is to say that this is never going to get passed because that's changing. The women's game is getting more competitive. The women's game is becoming more difficult. The women's club game is becoming more important, which means all of the factors that allowed that level of goals to be scored will probably never manufacture itself, which means that Christine Sinclair will probably always be the all-time leading scorer. And the big question now for her career is whether she can get that big two on there. Well, that's what I'm saying. How far can she push the post? Push it as yeah. far as you can. Like, put that fence as far away that no one will reach it. Yeah, I, I look, she loves to play. And as long as she loves to play, and now she's got her friends running the team in Portland, so she's probably going to want to play for a couple more years for them. Um, you know, and, and as long as she's healthy and fit, then, then why not? Uh, and I always look, she, her goal scoring has slowed down. There is no doubt. She was not the key component of that gold medal team in the summer. Uh, but her presence, I think out there allowed players like Janine Becky, um, and others to uh, Jesse Fleming, obviously to, to flourish and to succeed. And, you know, we saw how happy that generation was. Uh, to give her that medal because they respect her so much. So as long as she's playing and she can walk, <laughs> she's got a spot on that team. And, you know, yeah. she can walk. Years, only two years of the next World Cup. So. Even if she can't walk, but like, can you play keeper? <laughs> I'm just kidding. We have one of the best keepers in the world. Well, it's it's funny. It's the last thought on that. Uh, you mentioned I've had a few opportunities to talk to her on my press calls over the years. And there was one I always, I always remember the one because um, she was kind of really guarded and all, there was a whole bunch of questions and it was right around, I forget what exactly what we were, they were promoting. I think it was the the rivalry game or something. So like she was getting all these kind of questions that were only kind of tangentially attached to soccer. They were more like narrative questions, right? 
and finally came to me and, and God help the CSA. I'm always like the 12th ask a question. Thanks guys. But anyway, so it comes to 12 and all these narrative questions have been asked. So I basically, I went, I asked her a pure tactics question and you could hear her voice perk up immediately with excitement. And the question ended up with her laughing. And she said, I don't know. The older I get, the further they move me back in the pitch. So maybe one day I'll end up in goal. So there you go. That's how she ended <laughs> one day with me. Hey, I'll pay to watch that. I'll pay to watch Christine Sickler in that. On that note, we hope you enjoyed today's show. You can follow us on social media at 24th Minute for Dwayne, at Kevlar Armin for myself, and at Soccer Today SPN for this show. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow, continuing to look at the world of football with a soccer perspective, look at the recent news in Major League Soccer, and of course, when it comes to next the few next few days, there will be a lot of news in Major League Soccer. We're expecting signings, trades, and all the shebangs to happen in the next few days. But until then, you can follow our social media to always keep in touch and also to keep an eye on our schedule. And you can look at our website, sportspodcastnetwork.com and also our YouTube page, youtube.com slash sportspodcastingnetwork. But as always, until next time, for Dwayne Rollins, I'm Kev Laramie. We wish you a great soccer. You can find the podcast version of all the shows we do on iTunes, Apple Podcast, Google Play Store, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, and anywhere you get your podcast. <laughs>